Hi there, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. I'm recording this about three weeks post-race. I'm sitting in a hotel uh, beneath Antholds in Italy. Had a great day of flying yesterday with a couple of upcoming guests, Alex Roby and Primo Sousa. Uh, Aaron Durgati was also in the sky and also a whole bunch of other uh, really, really good pilots. Finally got a shot at that beautiful triangle here that they do uh, down into the Dolomites, which has been on my hit list for many, many years. But this episode is, uh, I went to a whole bunch of the athletes, so this is just a few of them, and asked pretty much the same questions. Best day, worst day, advice for people thinking about doing the X-Alps, uh, biggest mistake, will you do it again? I changed it up a little bit, you know, what we hear from Maxime and Kriegel and Paul Guschelbauer and a whole bunch of the athletes. This one uh, is Nick Nanens, King of Master Alerts, Aaron Duragati and Gaspard Pedio. A bunch of the, you know, they are all big fan favorites. Thought we'd kick it off with them. We've got about seven at least hours of content here with, with all the interviews. Today's is about 90 minutes. We're going to put this one out and uh, listen to the feedback and decide if we should put the other, be, break the other ones up in at least two more episodes. And, but, you know, I'm obviously way into the Red Bull X Alps, and I know many of you are, but many of you probably aren't, and this will be redundant in some ways. So we'll either put the other ones out as like bonus content or as regular shows, depending on what we hear. So, uh, but for now, I think you'll really enjoy this, get these folks' perspective on uh, what is most definitely the greatest game on earth. This year was. Uh, was physically unbelievable with that stability at the end with the last three days and in the middle days we had all those thunderstorms and never really heard a beep out of our varios uh, but an exciting race uh, very cool course although you're here you'll hear some thoughts about how it wasn't uh, with so many more waypoints it didn't allow us a lot of freedom to make big moves we basically followed each other around because there wasn't enough distance between the waypoints uh, to you know get very creative with our with our route so I've, we've given that feedback to Red Bull hopefully that will change we'll actually do zoom hopefully that'll change in the future but yeah it was a it was an epic race as it always is uh, tons of fun a little bit of heaven a little bit of hell everything in between as i've said so i hope you enjoyed this show let us know what you think uh ping me afterwards after you've listened and and let me know how what you think we should do with the rest of the content we've got a whole bunch more like i said at least seven hours of content here with a lot of the different athletes so and i know you want to hear from from kriegel and some of the others so we will release it just not sure how we're going to do it but for now enjoy the show and uh give you a little relive of the Red Bull X House. Okay, now everybody's fan favorite, Nick Nanens, uh, the guy who claims he doesn't train and does it in jandals. <laughs> Everybody loves Nick, me included. We've had him on the show before, of course. And uh, Nick is just awesome. He had a really slow start in this one, had a, had a, had a rough first day. And, but we, I kept saying to my team, like, we, you can't count Nick out. You can't count Nick out. He's going to make magic moves. He always does. And he did. He fought from the back and, uh, had some good days there and kept moving up and kept moving up and kept moving up. Ended up in 15th place. Uh, did really well. 
He does it, you know, most of us have these big RVs and creature comforts and he does it in like a little Subaru with his mom and his brother in tents. So uh, hats off to Nick. Uh, incredible to watch, super fun to watch and uh, does a great job with social media. So I'm sure you, you all saw a bunch of his posts and stuff, but here's Nick Nanins. Uh, Nick, so cool to talk to you, man. I appreciate you taking some time out on one of your, uh, your transfers here. I understand you're in Bangkok with mom and, uh, but it's been, I think three days now. Uh, I'm sure you're like me, you're still pretty tired and recovering, but congratulations on yet another epic race. You and I got started in all this madness the same year in, in 2015. So this was your, your third one. And you were, uh, you were, as I knew you would, uh, you had a slow start this one and I knew you'd make some terrific moves, which you did. So, uh, but congratulations on another race. Thanks a lot, Gavin. And same to you too. It was good racing with you. Next time I'll try to race a little bit closer, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's probably the main thing after the race is just catching up on sleep. Like I didn't feel super tired during the race, but afterwards, as soon as it's over, you realize that you do need to catch up on sleep a little bit. Yeah. 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 You're gunning it hard for, for 12 days. I, I remember at one point I remember, cause you've done the XP or I haven't, but I remember at one point I was thinking it was like day seven or something or day eight. It was like, Oh man, we, we still have the distance left of the entire XP. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, this is, this is a big slog. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's what I like about Xelps because XP was fantastic adventure as well, but, but like, especially if you're coming from Australia or, or New Zealand, you're coming so far to to have the whole race. Like once they did XP basically in three days, it's like, yeah, X helps. At least you you can get your teeth stuck in and and really um yeah have have a good good slog. Um, besides all the briefings and transfers and yeah airplanes and all that kind of stuff, sure. actually get some time to, sure, yeah, sure on the ground stuff. Uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you the same questions I'm asking everybody else. I'm not sure this first one is all that relevant because you have done it twice before, but is there anything you underestimated about this race in retrospect? Uh, well, I, I guess it's basically what happened this race is I slipped behind at the start. I made a few mistakes that just sort of got me off the pace a little bit and then really sunk the boat at Kronplatz where there was like afternoon storms and everyone else had a really long flight towards Silkspitzer mm. and I just got way behind because of those storms and the next day it took ages to get going again as well. So it's um, getting a bit harder to catch up again <laughs> these days. Everyone's this, The quality, the standard is pretty high so if you uh, make mistakes, they get punished pretty pretty hard. What was your biggest mistake? Yeah, so, well, on the first day I bombed out, but that didn't um, affect things greatly, I don't think, because it was really cloudy and most people had to land a bit further anyway, but it just meant I walked quite a bit um, and, and I still was a little behind. So I, was, I just lost maybe because I maybe lost a couple of hours. So the next day I was under pressure and then I lost a couple more hours scratching away somewhere. Uh, but then I was lucky with a low save, but... Really what I should have done better is uh, flying all the way to Ushell turn point. I kind of – I didn't top up with height and I should have uh, – basically I landed short of Kirsten and I had to – yeah, if, if I – the leaders tagged Ushell that 
night and then flew with the valley winds and that's what I wanted to do. Like they did the easy part of the flight where mm. you had the valley winds behind you mm-hmm. and you just racked up some easy Ks mountains. And because of that, I was just, you know, several hours behind the pace and, and that meant that the, the window closed with the storms on Kronplatz and I couldn't get through Kronplatz basically. So that the, the biggest um, setback was not getting through Kronplatz and that's because I made a few mistakes that just put me a little bit off the pace and maybe if I'd been one hour earlier to Kronplatz, I would have got through before the rain, you know, and it would have been fine. Mm. That was a critical day because it was really good getting to Kronplatz uh, for, you know, the top kind of 15 and, and, uh, and escaping there, leaving there was, was, it was starting to get pretty scary. The skies were getting big and, you know, those that were about an hour or so behind me really got hammered and they were, uh, and they got pinned on that side. And that was, that was a, that was a big difference in the ball game. Cause it was, it was quite good still on the North. So yeah, it was, that was, that was one of those areas where the speed thing was really critical. And then. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, because I was a little bit behind, I was trying to sort of uh, cut a few corners and fly fast and catch up. And because of that, I took a few risks that uh, basically put me even further behind. Right. Right. Um, best day and worst day. Um, well, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess the first day was, uh, one of the worst days because I only flew, like I didn't fly long enough on that first flight from the Geisberg and it was a relatively short day. So not that much happened, but it was still nice. I had a few glides and I don't know, um, maybe the best day in terms of tactics for me was the last full day because mm. I started at Mont close to Mont Blanc. That's the day that everyone top landed on Mont Blanc. And I managed to stay in the high mountains. A couple of times I had to land and walk over the pass to the other side, but it was a lot better than the guys who were struggling out um, on, on the Chartreuse and, and the, um, the Bolge uh, yeah. f- further out to the smaller hills to the west who ended up having to walk a lot and that was sweltering heat that day. So that was my best day tactically in terms of uh, gained a few places. But I think most of the race I was slowly clawing back uh, places. Uh, And most of the race I felt pretty good about the whole thing. It was just that I sort of mucked it up at the start. As as I did in 2015. <laughs> yeah, you had a rough rough start in 2015, and you came roaring back the the same. I we we certainly did not write you off, Nick. In the beginning, I was like, Gee, we we know Nick, he, he'll be back right back here in the end, <laughs> which you were. So uh, nicely done. Yeah, thanks. Um, you, you know, it, it, it even said this, I think on your, your bio and that, you know, that kind of map of all the athletes that we get, but you, you know, you, you famously quote unquote, you know, don't really train <laughs> for the race, which you talked about in the last podcast that we did. But, uh, if you could, if you could rewind the clock, uh, in knowing, knowing what you know now about the race that just happened, is there anything you would do differently Any any preparation or strategy or stuff with your team or anything that would be that you would change? Yeah. I think if I had 
you know, if we had better weather in the pre-week, it would have been fine. I just would have got all the gear sorted. And But, yeah, my very first flight on that harness was during the prologue. And, uh, the, yeah, that day before I flew for a couple of hours, but still sort of adjusting things and sorting things out. So I was thinking maybe it would be cool to do a little Volbibi before the event starts mm. and um, just get everything sorted so I'm sort of hitting the ground running because – Basically, every day uh, through the event, I felt better, and it was just the first few days, a few hiccups on the first few days that let me down. And other than that, I thought I was pretty efficient and productive, and and I maybe it was just because the people I was around uh, weren't as fast as the the lead pack, but it felt like I was, you know, getting the most out of the day, generally speaking. Mm. It, you kind of already answered this at the very beginning, but it sounds like you will do this again. Will you do it again? Yeah, I mean, is I, I like it, and if if um, if I get the chance to do it again, I'd be pretty keen. It just depends on what what else is going on in my life, I suppose. Mm. What advice do you have to someone who hasn't done the X Alps, uh, who is watching this race as millions of people were, uh, they get inspired and, you know, like the idea of it. What, what advice would you give to somebody who hasn't done it that wants to? Well, you're saying I don't train, but I do a lot of Volbiv, which I think is really good training. Mm. And like the last thing, well, Volbiv prepares you for the lot of, like, a huge part of the experiences that you face in Excels. Probably the thing it doesn't prepare you for that I was lacking is just the competition flying aspect where you have to, you know, be, keep up on those classic good days as mm. well. Mm. Yep. Um, I think fitness for me wasn't really a problem. But you need to be able to make sure that you can get yourself to take off, you know, several times each day. Um, so there's lots of other hike and fly events that I would definitely want to try before signing up for the X-Alps. People get, you know, glassy um, eyes when they think of the X-Alps and they just want to sign up and do it. But you're better off making sure that you're ready with all those uh, smaller races First, that's the way I did it. I did Xberg, then Xpeer, and uh, that was on top of all my Volbiv years of Volbiv experience. Sure, yeah. So the thing about Excelps, especially now, the pace is so fast that if you have a crack, you might not get another chance at it. So you want to have a pretty good crack. So like it's it's one of those things where people want to do it one day, and they probably just take any chance they can get, but. You know, I guess sometimes you might only have that option because later you're going to have kids and family and you're not going to have time or the the circumstances aren't going to line up. But, yeah, you, you don't really want to have a go before you're ready and then do poorly and then try it again in two years later and maybe there's just too many other people that are on the waiting list ready to go, I guess. So, yeah, yeah just do lots of hike and fly stuff before you sign up for Excels, basically. Yeah, that's good advice. I, I can offer some insight there too. Is I, I spent some time with folks that are not like on the committee or in the race committee. I mean, not Christoph, but that kind of know how the whole selection process works, which I still don't really know. But 
they did offer they, some some advice or well they they basically told me that you're absolutely right if you do it you know i think a lot of people you know sign up you know not really expecting to get in and but just they want to go through the process and they sign up but then they do get in and if you're not prepared very well and you don't do very well um, you will most likely get skipped the next time. You know, if you get eliminated or uh, you don't do very well or you make a decision that they see as kind of dangerous, um, then yeah. your, ch- your chances of getting selected are are, are pretty low. Um, you know, they're they're definitely looking for people that can <laughs> can threaten the eagle, uh, which I don't believe many people can do. But <laughs> as we just saw yeah, yet again, well, but <laughs> there's just so many good people from for them to choose from that it's exactly. hard for them to justify yep. giving you another go when there's so many other people that you know are qualified as well yeah exactly exactly and uh, you're gonna enjoy it a lot more if you have a good crack at it like yeah uh you know I, I say i do it for fun but it's definitely more fun if you're doing well so yeah, yeah. absolutely totally um what's the most critical or vital support you got from your team Oh, they were so on the ball this time. I mean, they were on the ball last time as well. But the first couple of days, I mean, they were asking me before the event saying, oh, what should we do? What should we do? Like, I'll say, oh, don't worry, we'll figure it out. And I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to know. But then we just sort of fell into place and it went fine. So I, I said, this time, when I say I don't need a battery pack, uh, asked me again at least four times. And there was one time during the race where I said, okay, mum, that's all right. You asked four times now. I still, I don't, I don't need it. But I won't, I won't complain that you didn't ask me enough. But yeah, like, so that was really good. Like I was always topped up with power and they're always really uh, fast and efficient finding me and, and mm. um, I probably got more assistance this race than I did um, the last race partly because there was a lot of turn points and there was a lot of stop start because of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, su- the support was really good. Um, I also had a team on WhatsApp, uh, you know, a couple of different time zones that I would just ask for information um, every now and then. Like sometimes it's good to know what the other pilots are doing, especially on those hot stable days to see if anyone's managing to stay up and if people have decided to take off and, and, uh, yeah, how high people are starting and stuff like that. So uh, it's really hard to get that information because a lot of the time the reception on, on uh, was hopeless. So if you can just get someone to send you a screenshot, it really helps mm. and um, just give you a little bit of commentary on, on what's going on that was um, good as well. And you and I uh, talked about this a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, you and I talked about this a little bit before the race, but – uh, I, I, the whole race, I don't even look at the weather. I, I never pull up, you know, windy. I don't, I don't do, I mean, that's totally in my team's hands. Um, and that, you know, I get like a weather briefing every day or I get it when I'm in the air. Um, but you, you're a meteorologist and I'm assuming that your, your brother and mom don't have, you know, nearly the weather knowledge that you do. How, how do you guys handle that on your team? Are you doing it or, are are you have you kind of taught them enough that they're passing it on to you, or are you not even worrying about it? You're just looking at the sky and figuring it out. Yeah, a lot of the time I'm just looking at the sky and figuring it out. I'm looking at windy a lot because it's got a lot of what you need. Sometimes I was asking the guys to send me, uh, you know, the radar, mm-hmm. the latest radar, which 
get on windy now. Um, or what else was I asking for? Often I'll just look at the upper winds on the meteogram on, on windy. And um, I had some, some – because, yeah, I didn't really have time to look at all these different things. But, yeah, someone on my WhatsApp group would often be sending me uh, like an enneagram, like a, a sounding, mm-hmm. a forecasted, which is basically all you need to know. And, no, and you can get – I was getting that myself off windy sometimes as well. So that just shows you how much moisture there is and what stability there is and what kind of mixing like heights you can expect, like thermal heights. Mm. Mm. So I I didn't look into it in a lot of detail. I know you can get a lot more detail out of all the um, different paragliding-specific weather apps, but I just didn't really have time for it. And also I don't think it made that much difference because you didn't really have that much route choice. You just had to do the best you could anyway. And, yeah, for example, when I went up Titlis, just looking around, you could see all the – the valley haze and it just sort of looked stable and then when I took off it felt stable and then uh, scratching on these huge big bluffs facing the sun later and I couldn't get up so I was like yep it is stable so you can kind of figure it out anyway but I guess where weather makes um, a difference is if it changes your decision making so I was actually really lucky on one of those stormier days where I it, it was raining fairly heavily in the morning, so I slept in for a couple of hours. Then I hiked up when it was basically stopped raining and flew just before it started raining. And then um, I got up to that pass just before Davos, and there was some really heavy rain when I was walking up to the pass. But as I got to the pass, it started to clear, and it was perfect just to fly down. And I um, timed it perfectly that day, but I think that came down a lot to luck. We were looking at the radar as well. Oh, there was another day where I just squeaked into Tsukchipitsa just before the storm storms came. So, yeah, that day we were looking at the, the radar and that was like a system that was moving through. It wasn't storms that were developing locally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, a bit of now casting, checking out what's – like I guess the, the one of the main things is whether, whether you've got to decide whether you've got to walk up the hill and fly or just keep walking on the highway because – there might be a storm that makes it impossible to fly and shuts the whole place down for hours and hours and you'd be wasting your time if you were sitting on the side of the hill. So, uh, yeah, I didn't get any weather hold-ups like that this time. And I was, yeah. Yeah, I found, I found that, you know, I was when they announced the course, I was really excited about it and I think it was a great course. It was an awesome route, but I would totally agree with you that with the – with the shorter, with the more turn points and the shorter distances, you know, there was the big decision point leaving Kronplatz. You could go east, you could go west, or you could go the Brenner and walk. You know, there was, you know, you basically had those three options there. And then leaving the Zugspitz, you could go the northern route or the south southern route. And other than that, there really wasn't you just kind of had to put your head down and keep moving. There wasn't, there wasn't the flexibility in the route or the creativity that we've had in the last couple that I really enjoy. I, I, I hope they back that off in the future because it's, it really was, you know, there, there were a few little option changes going up the Rhine in terms of what pet, which pass you walked over, whether it be the Oberalp or one of the earlier ones, which most people did. Um, yep. you know, there, but there wasn't really like, like flying wise, uh, you know, I mean, nobody really flew Davos to, to Titlis except Kriegel, but, 
but you know there you know there you could go up the Rhine or you could go the northern side, but it, really there wasn't that many options uh, like there has been. Yeah. And I, I like the big gaps where you can really see some creativity in what people do. Yeah, totally. I think for the fans, that's one of the really exciting things too, because you see people take different routes and you you try to figure out which one's better. Mm. But there were some of the most exciting uh, parts of the race for me were still route choice related so there was still some route choice even though they had so many turn points close together yeah. the worst turn points were uh i mean having Iger and then titlis with the airspace directly in between them and no way around it that was i hope they don't do that again yeah uh, yeah that was the closest turn points of the race and they've got airspace wedged right between them and it just depends if you're there on a weekday or before or after hours whether you can get through or not yeah and that was that was really luck i mean god you know yeah. i was there on a sunday i didn't have to worry about it at all you know and and uh yeah. yeah it was just terrific you know i got up there and i waited through a snowstorm and then i got a little window and got to fly out didn't have to worry about it but yeah that's i tried to do that when it was on in training and it's basically impossible you know it's so yeah, yeah that was I hope they change that as well. Although I think they're a turn point partner for a while, so I'm not sure, but well, Nick, thank you very much, man. I'll, I'll let you get back to your, uh, your sleep before your next flight uh, give your best to your, your mom and, and your brother. It was great to see them again. And, uh, congratulations on yet another epic race. I felt like this year was, was epic in every way. We just, we had a little bit of everything. It was fantastic. So much fun. And, uh, it was good racing with you again, man. Yeah, you too, Gavin. Thanks for the interview. And yeah, it might be time to head out for some pad thai. Yeah, there you go. Cool, bud. Talk soon. See you at CloudBase. Yeah, you too. Cheers. King of Mast Alerts, New Zealand 2. Uh, another fan favorite. Uh, one of the female athletes this year, uh, along with Dominica. Unfortunately, she was eliminated uh, near the end. And uh, after a really epic battle with the Korean, those two went all night. And she talks about that and making a little mistake in the morning, which cost her the elimination. But uh, a great first effort from this rookie. I'm sure we will see her again. She has not been flying very long and uh, shares some really cool thoughts about the race and the future. Here's Kinga. Kinga, welcome to the Mayhem. Uh, really excited to have this conversation with you. We didn't see much of each other in the race. So, uh, you know, I was watching on live tracking whenever I could in the mornings when I was walking and stuff. And I watched your epic battle at the end. And uh, <laughs> so I, I can't wait to, to hear about that. But I'm sorry the Axe Man, man got you there after a few days. But I, I know it was still an epic adventure. And, and no matter where we place in these things, uh, you, you know, you're, you're owed a huge amount of, uh, of congratulations. I know it's an, it's an awesome effort. And, uh, so, so yeah, so first off, just congratulations in, in your, uh, Red Bull X Alps campaign. Uh, thanks Gavin. It's, it's awesome to, to talk to you here. And, uh, awesome. It was awesome to, to be in Red Bull X Alps. It was quite an adventure and, uh, yeah, we didn't see each other much because you were just way too too ahead for me too much in front so you know but uh you know it was the first time i'm relatively inexperienced pilot so even being there and learning from uh from some of the best pilots in the world it was an amazing experience and seeing all the lines that other pilots choose and in different conditions the decisions that the 
others make. It's it's such a steep learning curve. It's amazing. I, I've learned I, in a week. I learned probably more than I would learn in a year of, of flying solo or somewhere, you know, cruising through the through the mountains. So yeah, sure. uh, I'm I'm mind. It completely blew my mind. What you can do with the paraglider. What personally, even what not only what better pilots can do, but even what, what I can do with paraglider. How much capacity I have, which I don't usually use. And you need this particular surrounding and logistics and and support and safety net and on the pilots around that Red Bull X helps give you gives you to um, yeah to just dig deep and and uh, get access to 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 100% of your capacity so it was super inspiring experience for yeah. me yeah there's uh, my my buddy Nate Scales who who's really a mentor of mine and a guy I fly with at home and just an exceptional pilot he did the X Alps in 2007 and his saying is always there there's only one way to get to that place and in the X Alps, you're going to get there guaranteed. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, that's hard to describe to people that, that who haven't done it, but you're going to get to a very special place in your, in your mind and your body that you just, you almost can't even train for, but well, let it, me, let me run yes. through, let me run through these questions and, uh, you know, you don't have to answer them quickly, but I'm just kind of ans- asking the same questions of every, of everyone and, and seeing where we go. But, um, what was the number one thing you underestimated? And when you, when you look back at the race and your training and the preparation, what, what was the biggest thing that caught you off guard that you would have, you know, maybe done differently? I would chance. say that first thing that comes to my mind, that two things, first thing that comes to my mind is, um, uh, is a team, how important it is. Mm. And, uh, because usually we just think about the, um, what, what athletes do and what kind of decisions they make. And then the team is there to, you know, to follow with the car, to feed you and help you to make some, some decisions potentially. But there's so much more and dynamics of the team, especially after a week into the race when everybody gets tired. You really see in this race what you are made of. And it's not only about us athletes. I This race really pulled out all the best and all the worst uh, of who I am, uh, but, also, uh, but also of the whole team changes and, and dynamics changes and um and yes now i understand better what i should have what i shouldn't have maybe maybe which type of people is uh, is uh, good for this adventure and which not necessarily because after a week under pressure and when people get tired it can become a little bit um, difficult so mm. i didn't appreciate enough this part i kind of thought that as long as we are just you know a bunch of friends it will all roll itself and suddenly it didn't because i guess maybe i i didn't brief the team precisely enough maybe i thought that the dynamics will sort itself out but after a week of being tired and under pressure nothing sorts itself out anymore uh, so maybe yes maybe the fact that i was inexperienced in such a long race and and, and with so much pressure and uh, and the team that i have chosen and uh, that i'm very grateful they decided to to go through this adventure with me but the all dynamics didn't go as well as i hoped for if it, if it makes sense so mm. this is definitely i didn't appreciate that it's such a such a team race such a team adventure we usually just think about the um 
um, about the athlete and the supporter, and I just didn't appreciate how many how many people are involved into mm. into the success of fa- or failure of particular athlete. And I I also saw it during the race how some uh, other athletes how especially like that have done it a couple of times already or a few times how well sorted is everything around them so they they can focus on what they should be focusing not on all the logistics the the real the real key for me is is uh that i don't have to think at all you know that the team does (laughs) all of that i mean obviously when i'm in the air you know you're you're trying to kind of go on autopilot and just fly your glider and and make good moves and and that's certainly thinking but uh but yeah this it's really the support your support team in this race is just so critical I and mean, in a lot of ways they're working harder than we are and so and I, I think important. now maybe it was a little bit of my own insecurity that I, I I maybe I thought about people who would be really suitable for my team but maybe I was too shy to ask. Just I thought, oh, you know, who I am to ask them if you know. I'm just like, you know, I'm just mm. just a, just a tourist here. And, and now I think it was completely silly because uh, the better it's like, you know, like failing to prepare is preparing to fail, basically. And sure. and it has it had a, a huge impact at the end on my overall performance. Obviously, it's not. I'm not. I'm not saying at all that you know that I. I don't know that my performance. Uh, that's anything for the fault of my team i'm just saying that i myself might have prepared better around this kind of team logistics and and uh and yeah now i now i know yeah <laughs> now, i mean there's I a lot you don't know as a, as a rookie team i mean in 2015 when i did it my first time it was there was pages of stuff at the end of the race i mean yeah, it, it was my the, best placing but it was still well for your first performance yeah, we did, but it was flyable, you know. Yeah, we did, but you know, it's it was, uh, it's yeah, it's a, there's a, the there's a lot thing, you don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, second thing that I would think that that kind of maybe not maybe didn't surprise me, but it's something definitely to work on. Uh, for me, it's this kind of consistency that you need to have every single day in this race because mm. you have a one day that you are out of focus something happens that completely like you know that that puts you out of focus and uh, and then the the race is basically running away you know the, all the field is running away so um so uh it's relatively easy to keep this focus for a few days but here we are racing for 12 days and uh, it's a long time i think i didn't appreciate how long this race really is you know mm. because it's a bit different when you do races you know other races let's say that take up to 6 days and here after 6 days you're just you know halfway into the race and it's just kind of getting started you know yeah. so uh, so i for sure i didn't appreciate the the I think it was like, it's still a little bit overwhelming. It's a long race. It's a bloody long journey. And, and there's so many thing, things that will happen that I, at the end of it, you feel like the beginning was, a, you know, a month ago because it's so many things happen. Everything is so intense. So yeah, this intensity for many days in a row with the lack of sleep. Yeah, I didn't appreciate how big it really is. But I guess you can't really imagine it unless you do it because, yeah. yeah. Well, I can also, I can also tell you just from my, you know, this was my third campaign that the pace 
you know, got a lot faster in 2017 and then it just got a lot faster in 2019. uh, Like everybody's getting more pro, more fit, better in the air, better organized, better support crews. It's, you know, it's gone from a proper adventure race back in 2003 where everybody's carrying pots and pans and you'd wait 10K for your buddy to catch up and you were just having Mm -hmm. one in the mountains to like a real, you know, Tour de France type pace, but with paragliders. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, I think, for people to come into it now without a lot Mm. of experience and a lot of background because it's, the pace is vicious. I've never, I mean, it was so fast this time. It was just mind blowing. I I can't believe how some of these, how fast these teams are moving. So, well, hey, next question, which you maybe have already answered, but what was your biggest mistake? I guess my biggest mistake was um, on the maybe fourth day, I have to say right now, fourth or fifth day, I I listened to the advice of a very good cross-country pilot, very experienced pilot who lived, lives in the area where I was at this moment. And uh, I didn't really listen to my guts. And uh, and I was, at first I, I was thinking about it for too long, just kind of wasn't able to make this decision instead against like what I thought against uh, against what this very experienced pilot who really should knows better in every sense. So I finally listened to him and it was a disaster. I ended up wasting the whole day running around in circles, a lot of energy and uh, I put a lot of energy into it and didn't make much progress. And uh, this was very interesting lesson for me just to, to really start trusting myself more because you you try to always this is a difficult difficult part in this race that you you have your own feeling and your own you know look at met, at the weather conditions and the topography and everything then you have some 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 uh some support that tells you to do something potential advises you the best they, they can and then there's uh there's the other athletes doing particular things uh, that may think that maybe it's a good idea or maybe it's bad but you just you have to center yourself in all this and for for me it was quite a tricky part and then once i made this mistake and actually made this wrong decision which completely screwed up the whole day which was actually quite a good day and i might have made quite a progress i dig myself in it in, in it a little bit started stressing out and then you know it influenced the f- next next decisions and a mm. couple of next days and, and this the one was the biggest, yeah exactly and this one was a was the biggest part of it because once you make a mistake okay it's done and you have to just cut it off and and think about the, the future and uh, and this is also something that we um, i mean we learn with experience some people are born this way uh, i'm rather born in a very like I, I have this very analytical approach that like to really learn from mistakes so but it also means analyzing these mistakes and it's like there's no time for it in this race so we have to just cut it off and and keep going and i i dig myself in this hole for way too long and mm. uh, yeah so it was totally kind of rookie mistake but also i i guess you know this is something that you're learning with, with experience that that's who sure. to trust and basically trust yourself first of all there's a reason why you are participating not some you know other advisors you, you know what though i mean the other thing uh 
I mean, I would, I would like to say to you is that they, you know, the mistakes are so inevitable and they're, and they're just part of the game and, you know, without them, you can't learn anyway. So it's, you know, your attitude's great. Yeah. You, you just, you, you're, you're going to make mistakes. That's inevitable. And, uh, oh, absolutely. and the, and the yeah. main thing is just to learn from it, you know? And so they're all, I, I found, you know, like in 2015, we made more mistakes than the other campaigns by far, but I found that they were all acceptable mistakes. You know, they were all like, yeah, I mean, how, how could we have known and how would we know differently right. if we didn't do them? You know, exactly. so, mm-hmm. Hey, so let's, let's keep things moving. Um, just briefly best day and worst day and why? Uh, best day was probably the, my last day. Um, when uh, when I, I I was flying from upper upper in valley and uh, and crossover to Davos and was chasing uh, the Korean Korean athlete and uh, all the way basically all the all the all the day all day long and it had uh, I finally after after you know digging myself a little bit into misery and stress I I. Um, I came back to the light and, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and it was, I finally felt how it should feel, I guess, uh, how this race can feel, uh, when you, when you just, just race and keep going on a high pace and good energy and, uh, and have this, this direct target of, uh, chasing someone in this case uh, the 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 korean athlete it doesn't have to be necessarily about your ranking mm-hmm. about winning about this or that it's just there's particular energy created around it that finally i felt like wow this is like how xops feels like it was so high paced and so so such good flying and good energy and i was so motivated and uh, after the last after the last flight i was 3 kilometers uh, behind the the ha the korean korean athlete and uh, and i started chasing him on foot and i felt like i can run forever you know mm. and i was laughing before the race oh we don't usually run we just hike during the race and then off i went running you know 10 kilometers per hour for next three hours <laughs> and and overtook him and felt like nothing is impossible so that was definitely definitely uh, yeah the fine for definitely the very best this moment and I finally felt, yeah, this is how X ups should feel like. This is how it feels for for our top guns mm. <laughs> somewhere they're already in front. But you know. Beautiful. You know. And, <laughs> and, and and was your worst, worst day the the getting cut or was it one of the other ones? Yeah, the worst day I mean getting cut, uh it was obviously heartbreaking, but I I <laughs> it was very short, you know, it was just an yeah. hour in the morning and, uh, getting cut obviously was heartbreaking because I, I just had it, but I also felt like I did everything I, I could have done. And the rest was just, you know, my supporter was next to me with a phone, uh, staring in this phone, life tracking, etc. So it couldn't, it would never come to my mind that he would take me to the wrong valley that will get lost on the, on the, on the road. So uh, so I just had impression, you know, it was a mistake, of course. And I don't even think it's his fault because he, during all the, the days with 
before he's been managing so much and trying to put all this team together and it was so stressful for him that I can understand that he made this very simple and silly from outside mistake. Mm. We all make mistakes. So so I wouldn't even say that that was the worst because of, of course it was, I mean, we got eliminated and it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, I felt that, you know, I, I got it. I, I, I did what I could here and Again, another lesson, always double check. And I always do double check after my support or whoever. I always, I actually always choose my route myself. It was the one single time when I didn't because he just, okay, I got it. You just run. I was like, okay, no problem. I run. It's a straight, a straight road. We can't get lost here. Right. <laughs> so oh, with it, <laughs> uh, I said, I would say that the, 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 the worst, the worst, uh, Day was probably um, uh, I don't know. There was quite a few lows. You know, it's like so intense. There's so highs are so highs and lows are so low. Mm. But I guess uh, I guess maybe this mentioned the day the day that I mentioned when yeah. when I Spinning listened to the wrong advice and then I started like digging myself deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole instead of just uh, yeah just like shaking it off and it's like hey okay let's 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 act like nothing happened mm. and i started getting a little bit stressed because i slipped in this ranking i was doing quite well until until this moment so and then it's just like everything got a little bit nervous and you know so yeah i'm probably probably this day but mm. i would say that for me personally the the amount of, and, and quality of positive moments is completely like incomparable. Like there was a few, few very low lows, but at the end, it's, it was such an amazing experience that, you know, even at the, at the, in the, in the worst moments, I was still, oh my God, I would love to do it again. You know, mm. it's, I was, I was completely like somewhere in the, in the rain when I can't take off because I completely screwed up before. And I'm just completely like, like freezing myself and, and, uh, and, and completely miserable. And it's just like, yeah, I would love to do it again because I'm learning so much. And so awesome an experience. So that's, yeah. th that's actually the next question. And, and, and I know that, you know, we've only had a few days to process this, but it sounds like, yes. And you will you will do it again or you'd love to do it again oh if i have a chance to do it again absolutely i want to do it again this is completely addictive and i i absolutely love the experience and i learned so much and also understood how much i can i can on, on so home, some you know i've been playing on five years and it's intense it's been intense but it's a really short time if you compare it to 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 some some other athletes that that you play with uh, during this race mm. and uh and uh, to, to 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 understand all these areas where I can progress and the ways I can progress and and uh, get better as a pilot, as an athlete, as a person. I mean, it's it's mind blowing. I'm completely stoked with the whole event, and of course, I would love to do it again. And I will be better prepared, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and I think it will be even more fun because of it. Because I won't be so stressing stressing so much because i want i will i will also be able to solve the team um dynamics and logistics better and you know you, you learn so many things on the way and then you you have another two years to 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 to, to, to use these lessons and and progress i i guess you know mm. in two years it will be even more fun yeah <laughs> so last question what was the best fan experience you had along the way or, you know, like uh, just person on the side of the road or 
uh, you know, people come out. Uh, there was quite a few, quite a few awesome, awesome moments with people cheering me up. I guess, I guess the most beautiful was when I was um, in the um, this like um, in the, during this day when I was when I was chasing Korean athlete in the evening when I was running after him. He was like still a few kilometers ahead, a couple of kilometers ahead. I was running. He 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 was hiking, so I was closing uh, this distance. And and then some um, some people who uh, who saw it on life tracking just came drove in and, and joined me in running and I Aww. after a while I had a whole whole awesome team when running with me. It was like a free 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 guys, you know, running and cheering and protecting <laughs> me from coming cars and like and it was it felt so magic because they just you know they just left their cars uh, behind and just just went on running with me for kilometers and and yeah and there was so much energy in it i wasn't even working anymore on on you know my i wasn't even burning sugar or anything i was yeah. i was burning pure energy pure pure magic you know yeah, and, cool. and yeah and then there was this moment when we were when we were when we were overtaking um the korean korean athlete uh, going uphill and he was very tired he could it was a response of he was just hiking and he he yelled at me you are crazy you are completely crazy <laughs> i was like yeah respect <laughs> awesome fight awesome date you know <laughs> so much energy in it and they and yeah and they they fed on it and i fed on their energy and yeah pure magic happened there so i think that was a beautiful beautiful um yeah beautiful fun experience and finally when we got to the place where we and when we were about to spend the night they just realize oh our car is like 20 kilometers behind wow that's so, <laughs> so cool <laughs> and like awesome so yeah so one of my supporters just 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 took them there so it was like yeah it was very special very special yeah and hats hats off to the korean we keep saying that because his, his name's so hard to pronounce but uh god he showed some tenacity i mean a couple days before that the, the pictures of his feet were just Oh, they look so bad, and he just kept marching. I was, yeah, he showed some real. Yeah, absolutely. There. He's uh, Hachi. He's a uh, he's a warrior. That's uh, he you really know. So, is. I, so I, I even thought at this point, I even said it uh, while running that he's such a warrior. I have huge respect to him, and losing with him wouldn't be a, a defeat. But winning feels better. And at this point, I thought, oh, of course, I'm, I'm right now. I'm winning with him because I'm already, you know, kilometer ahead, and I can't lose it. It's just hour in uh, in the morning. I just can't let it slip of my hand from my hands. Yeah, wow, well, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, crushing, just, crushing it's way it's to get awesome, Yeah, it's an awesome lesson of just you know keep keep foc keep stay focused and just don't trust too much and. To, to others you know make your own decisions even if it's if it feels simple and if it feels feels super straightforward especially i, I guess from uh, from um, life tracking you know, what the hell are they doing because it's so obvious but we're in the middle of it like running on the road at five o'clock in the morning you know everything can happen so yeah, it's a good everything's humbling, foggy humbling then. Lesson. yeah so so it's a good humbling lesson of like staying focused till the end and and uh and just yeah keep pushing yeah copy 
Kenya, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you so best much of for luck to again. you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, best of luck. And uh, I, I, I wish you great rest and recovery. And uh, hope to see you in 2021 for the next one, if not before. But thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. One of my favorites had an incredible run in 2017 until uh, he had a little crash and got pretty injured. Gaspard Petio, uh, amazing pilot, definitely one of the best pilots in the race uh, consistently. And uh, he came back furiously this year and had a really good race. Uh, we, I was hanging on to him through day eight, and uh, he was one of the one of the ten who got to got to Monaco, had an incredible race. Uh, he talks about it being his best. We, we don't know if we'll see him again. He talks about that in this episode, but a great little chat here with a good friend of mine, an amazing pilot, amazing ex-ops pilot, Gaspard Petio. Uh, Gaspard, it's a real treat to talk to you, man. It's just been a few days since the end of the race. Uh, thanks for, for coming on the mayhem. And I was, uh, terribly disappointed to lose you guys day eight. I was just behind you and Tom. And I think one other person, when you guys uh, bumped into the road and I had a really bad day in that kind of first stable day and, and went nowhere. So, uh, sorry to, to lose you guys. That was a fun pack for quite a long time, but, uh, congratulations on an epic race, man. I know that was, uh, we had a little bit of everything in this one and also very physical for, for you and I, the older guys that have bad knees and stuff. Uh, but we got to walk a little bit together. I think that was day one or day two, but, but, uh, yeah, congratulations. Nice job. Thank you very much, but you did an awesome job too, huh? Yeah, no, it was a terrific race, wasn't it? I, I really enjoyed this one. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was very alpine and very, it was, I, I, I think it was uh, the most beautiful one in the sense that we were always in the alpine range, always uh, uh, walking in the snow and uh, with the glaciers. And it was super nice. Yeah, yeah. I wish they hadn't put the St. Hilaire turn point in, but <laughs> that one was a bitch. Jeez, it was stable when we got down there, but yeah, yes. you took a really deep line going in there. I think you were the only one in the air that, that evening I was watching as I was walking through Chamonix and uh, that was a, that was a good move. Well, actually I was, I was trying to, to find some, um, unstable air in the altitude. But, uh, this day, I think anywhere you would go, it was a stable everywhere. So my, it didn't work the way I, I expected to, to work. But at least I didn't. And I mean, for me, there was no way I could walk on this concrete for all day, especially yeah. with this heat. So it was a way to avoid this. Yeah, no, that was that was smart. Have you ever seen? I haven't asked anybody else this yet, but have you ever seen stability like that? Because I, you know, we just that's not something we deal with at home at all. We never get stable days. <laughs> you know, we get more stable than unstable day. You know, like it's all on a scale. But I've never seen anything like that. That was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was uh, pretty pretty unbelievable. It it happens sometimes, especially in Saint Hilaire, but usually we get a lot of stability uh, down there. I mean, on the lower, uh, 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 yeah, on the lower lower bases. But then when you go up, I mean, up to two thousand and five hundred meters, normally you have some unstable instability. This was very special in a way that it was stable everywhere at every altitude and. I mean, even, even, even Chamonix was stable and this is very, very uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. It was like flying in soup. 
I just, exactly. I just couldn't wait for my Vario to make some noise other than, <laughs> than going down. Yes. Well, hey, so I'll I'll uh, I'll go through these questions, answer them however you like, and and you know take your time if you if you want to jump into a story or something, go for it. But uh, you know you've done the race now twice before this the same years as as I did. But it, did you underestimate anything coming into this one? Anything anything really catch you off guard? Actually, when we came to the, when to this one, uh, it was uh, we wanted to end this race again. And we wanted to go to the to the end of it. And uh, I mean, we were we stopped the, the last one on a, on the injury, and we wanted to to mm. end this race. But I was really scared about my body, uh, about my uh, my ability that physically I would be able to end this race. And um, so we were a bit scared when we started the race. And actually, yes, uh, fortunately, my body uh, could keep up and could. Uh, make it i mean all the way because we had this race was really hard in a sense that we had the really weak thermal weak condition for for the alps i was expecting i mean huge thermals and a lot of wind and we had uh, almost no wind and really really smooth and uh, and, and weak conditions mm. Mm. yeah what was your, what was your, I was, you know, I was watching you guys on that final leg into Monaco. And I remember that one from, from 2015. And of course I wish I was sharing that with you, but in that heat and the, oh, those are slogs down there with those windy roads. But uh, yeah, anyway, congratulations. It was, it was, it was fun to watch you get in. Well, actually even getting to Monaco, um, I mean, we were probably in the most, uh, the most exciting uh, paragliding um, area near Saint André, mm. which is usually a huge place with a lot of uh, great thermals, and uh, I mean it's really unstable there. And this year we were there; uh, it was really hard and weak, and uh, and uh, I mean it, it. Yes, it was not usual conditions, and we had to be really patient and take our time and. And, um, even, even flying in gaggles was not that easy because the thermal were so weak. So even getting to Monaco was hard, uh, until the last beat of, 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 uh, flying. And uh, this is quite unusual. Mm. And actually I, I chose when I had to choose the wing, uh, this year I had, uh, you know, my, my weight is just between the two ranges, uh, between a small one and a medium small. And I and I said, okay, I'll take the small wing because uh, it's usually super strong with a lot of wind, and I want to be secure with the small wing. And I, I mean, it it happened totally the contrary. It was uh, really weak with no wind at all, and for sure, I, I got the wrong wing. I, 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 if I, if I had to do it again, I would probably take a big one or a huge wing to be able to to use those really weak thermals. It was like competing in Brazil, like very uh, yeah. in flatlands. I mean, it was really unusual. Mm, yeah, yeah, and you were on the zeolite as I was, correct? Yes, I was on the zeolite, but it was really small. And uh, for example, in day two, we were flying in gaggles, and I could couldn't keep up with the gaggles because I couldn't fly. I couldn't, I mean, uh, lift myself in the thermal. I mean, with the, the right amount of speed, and I was always left behind, and that's why I, it took me a long time to come back from the back of the ranking. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that in a bit. Cause I was, I was watching you keenly on, on live tracking on the walks. Um, what was, Gaspar, what was your biggest mistake in the race? Um, I don't, I don't think that I made a, 
mis- a b- big mistake. Uh, for me, the, probably the, the big mistake was to, uh, yes, I'm, is that one is probably that I, I, wrong way. I believe that the condition, I, I thought that the condition would be really strong. Usually I'm a pilot that is, uh, usually my, my abilities, my, uh, my, 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 how do you say that? My tricks, my, yeah, mm, my, all the things, what I know how to do, yes, is flying in the wind and in strong conditions. I, I'm not, um, I'm not a super good PWC pilot because I don't like it when it's really smooth and weak. Mm. And this year, I mean, it was, uh, it was not a race, uh, designed for me in the sense that we had to walk a lot. We had to hike, uh, 4,000 meters every day, which I'm not, I mean, as good as the youngest guy we have in the, in the field. And we had to fly in this really weak thermals and this is not what I'm super good at. Mm. But in, despite all this, we could stay with the group and we could keep up and make a good race. And I think after all, we believe that the race was, was pretty, pretty nice for us. Yeah, actually, absolutely. Um, best day and worst day. Uh, the best days for sure. They Three, I think, when I come back from the back of the ranking, I'm when I um, I think I'm 22 or I'm or maybe 20 at the beginning of the day when I'm uh, near uh, near our show, coming back from our show, turn point uh, one, two, three, or three or four, and I'm uh, and I'm heading to Cronplatz, and I'm really back in the ranking, and I choose um, when I'm heading back back north from Cronplatz to Zugspitze, uh, uh, so I choose a left line. Yeah, near, you went into um, Solden. Yeah. yeah, and this uh, allows me to come back in the ranking, and I end the day. I'm in third position, and this is uh, this is a great uh, this is great because I believed in this option from the beginning, but I was the only one to choose it, and at the end it worked. So, so it was it was really uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, that was you know it's so amazing how people can influence you. But I I that was my first option was going the route you did. I really wanted to go that way, and uh, and then the of course the second option was to go the east line, which is you know Meyerhofen, which is the way I ended up going. And then the third option, of course, is going the Brenner if the weather was terrible and walking across the airspace. But right before the race, I was sitting chatting to Kriegel, and I was asking him about that, and he said, Oh, you know if you I really like the West line. It's a little bit shorter. I like that. But the problem with that is you always run into the Bavarian winds and, and the way they have the Zugspitze line off to the Northeast, it's going to be really hard to get up through there after you leave the, the Solden. And so I, I like the East line and it was crazy. You know, when I, I left Kronplatz about 15 minutes, I was in good position. I left, it was just starting to blow up and getting kind of ugly, you know, and I left in good, like 15 minutes behind those guys. And it was very easy crossing the spine again and getting them to kind of Zellum Zeller and Meyerhofen area. But it's an area I don't know at all. And I got completely stuck there in the valley winds for a very long time. And I didn't land. I, I, I stayed in the air, but then a big cell blew up off to our east uh, down the Pinsgau. And uh, in the gust front, the dropout just, just got me. And I, I sat on the top of the mountain trying to get off. It was blowing over the back hard and I, I couldn't get off, couldn't get off, couldn't get off. And I, so I was l- watching you on live tracking going, Oh, I should have gone that way. You know? <laughs> and, and you were flying, I think with Willie through there too. Yeah. Yeah. And- but I mean, at the beginning, when we got in Kronplatz, uh, Willie, uh, arrived, uh, arrived in Kronplatz just a few minutes before. And when I got here, he said, okay, Gaspar, I'm going to, I'm going to fly with you. I want to follow you a bit. 
So I said, okay, let's go on the left side. And so Willie and I started to, to aim the west side. But here, for sure, it was not really engaging because the first part was just blue sky with no mm. no cumulus at all. So we knew we, we had a lot of valley wind coming in and it, and it would be tricky to go through. But I was confident and I... And I was leading uh, with uh, leading. Um, yes, Willie was just uh, behind me. And when I started really to engage myself, he, I think he didn't trust it. He, yeah, he, he, he said he that. Finally, he said that to me on on yeah. Facebook a couple of days ago. He said, "I don't know why I left him." And I said, "You never leave Gaspard ever. <laughs> never leave him." <laughs> yeah, he made this mistake, and then he got stuck in this valley wind. And I think he. I mean, this was a bad decision, but um, luckily for me, it worked pretty well. Yeah, it worked great. It, okay, so worst day. Um, worst day is probably, even if you won't believe it, but it's probably the day when we start at 3,000 meters on a glacier near um, Sion Valley and we tried to reach Chamonix. Yeah, because it was slow for you guys. Exactly. Really it was not that bad because at the end of the day, we reached finally Chamonix, but... I mean, we we planned uh, we had planned so many so many uh, we had so many plans in our head, and we we decided to aim this this uh, this valley. I mean, chatting with the forecast, and we were sure to do something really right. And we fought, I mean, we fought for it really really hard. We hiked this huge glacier. We 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 found a takeoff. It was super hard, and then we took off, and it was really stable, and we fought for hours to to reach the Martini Valley, and and here I I landed, and uh, suddenly I could see many of the wings that were far behind me, like Toma Coconea, mm. um, Manuel Nubel, and uh, si- Simon Oberhauser, and they just passed me over my head, and was like. Damn! I did all, all everything I could. I I planned so many so many ideas and it's not working mm-hmm. so i was really pissed off down in the valley and uh yes i was i was really i mean i think i was really uh really mad and uh, and uh, even with my team i mean they could feel that i was was not really happy about what was what was happening mm. fortunately um I didn't let go and I came back and and the, the the second part of the afternoon was much better and we could land far away uh but for for a couple hours I was really really down there uh you know uh you know feeling really bad and uh, and, and really annoyed and and I was even not really nice with my crew <laughs> Yeah, well, I, when I was in the air, I was right with those guys at the Schilthorn, and uh, and Revis kept calling me because I really thought you guys made a magic move that night, getting up to that coal and getting high, and and uh, and it it wasn't it was stable where we were as well, but he kept calling and he was saying, Hey, those guys are moving really slow. Just stay in the air and you're going to get them today. Stay in the air. And then I didn't, of course I got to, I got to the Neeson Ridge too low and I just struggled in the stability for hours. It was just a nightmare. That was my, that was my worst day for sure. But yeah, I think it's the, it's, 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 it's our worst day because these place usually works super well. Yeah. This day, they, we could see huge cumulus, beautiful cumulus cloud. I mean, all the signals were green. And I mean, actually, when you were flying actually in this area, it was it was hopeful. And, and this is why I think it's it was super annoying is that mm. why this place are not working today. I mean, this should work. 
and it's not working and that that's what really annoys mm. um if you could prepare again you know kind of rewind the clock for the last nine months would you do anything differently knowing what you know now um well i choose a different wing i mean a different size that's the only thing mm. um i mean the preparation was really hard for me because of the all the injuries i had and i i have to say i if someone would have told me that I would ended uh, to Monaco in the seventh place. I would have signed there. I mean, I would have signed with no, with no, no. I mean, for sure, I would be happy. So I think I cannot change many things. For sure, the guys in front of me are stronger. They were uh, more trained. They are younger. They fly better. So I think that I, I would. It wouldn't change a lot if I. I mean, I, I couldn't do much better. I think. Mm. Um, you told me before the race, there was no way you'd do it again, but what do you think now? Is anything changed or are you done? Yeah, for sure. Um, if, I mean, if, if I was 25 or, uh, I would do it again for sure. I mean, my mind is, is fully into it and I like really the adventure and the, all what happens around the race. But now I'm, I'm not 25, I'm 38 and, uh, I have two kids that are now pretty old are seven and nine. And I have a lot of injuries and it's every time getting worse and worse. And I mean, the preparation is always a nightmare. So if I'm smart, I quit. Uh, but then we'll, we will see if I'm smart enough. Uh, in, <laughs> but I sure if I'm smart, I, I shouldn't be there in two years. Well, if you need some inspiration, I'm 47, buddy. So you've still got plenty of years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, I'm probably not trained like you do. I don't know, but my body is not, is not, um, is not in a good, good shape. I think. Was that, was the injury in the 2017 race? Was it quite severe? Uh, no, it's not about the crash I had in 2017s. It's more about, uh, all the stupid races I've done since I'm 16. Like, uh, I've done a lot of, um, running and, you know, this kind of, um, uh, ultra trails and, um, all kind of races that many different kind of races and biking and, and skiing and all this stupid thing I did when I was a kid. So mm. I think my knees are just a bit, uh, old now. I mean, with all that training and, uh, and it's, it's like, I mean, when you're a football player, you quit when you're 25 It's when you're 35. So that's pretty logical that, that my body is now a bit, a bit old. Yeah. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, it takes takes a lot more time to recover as well. Yep. Um, what advice you've done? You did 2015, 2017, 2019. Uh, what, you know, millions of people watch this race, pilots all over the world, and they get really inspired by what they see. Uh, what advice would you give to someone thinking about participating in the Red Bull X-Ops? Well, the first, the first uh, advice, and I do quite a lot of conferences to explain this, is that usually people that watch the race and they, that they want to do it believe that it's that you need to be a good pilot and uh, you be you need to be trained to do this race. And this is true for sure, but it is not the only the only thing that you need to be to be a, to be tough in this race. I think it's a lot about thinking and a lot about strategy and about planning and preparing the race. And I think it's, it's, it's a really good thing to train, to do some, um, you know, maybe some small race, but, uh, some kind of races that are just hike and fly races, just like this one, 
to be able to train how to make decisions and, and not to make stupid decisions because you can be the best pilots in the world and you can be the, the most trained guy in the world. You can still do a, a bunch of mistakes and, and, and your race can be, can be destroyed just, just with, with one little mistake. So mm. I think there's a lot of thinking, a lot of strategy. It's a sport like, 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 uh, like, I mean, it's a really, um, a, it's a, it, it needs to be learned. It's not, it's not, uh, you just cannot, you can't just come, tough your come, way through. Yeah. It. You just cannot, yeah. You cannot just imagine this. I mean, you have to learn it. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that's the best advice. Usually when you're too trained, when you're too tough on the ground, you, this is where you make the, the biggest mistake because you believe that you will always be able to keep up with your legs, which is totally wrong. Sometimes you can, uh, you can do really smart moves with, a, uh, with, um, with a lot of, with a little hiking and, yeah. and, and, you and a good that. flying. You yeah. And I, even if I, I believe I'm not, I'm by far not the best pilot. I'm by far I'm not the best runner, but I can still play in the front because I think that I I try to think as much as I can to um, yeah to make the smart moves and uh, try to keep to um, make some economy. I mean I don't know how to say say this, but to preserve my my body and my strength. Mm. What's the most critical or vital support you got from your team? Actually, I think that my team is, I mean, I'm saying this, it's, it's one of the best in the, in the field. It's the team that I've been, I've built for the 215 race and it's almost the same team, uh, that I had for three races and they, they know perfectly what they have to do. We have, uh, we, I have a full team with a lot of people and they, they all have very precise tasks. And, um, there's a lot of teams that were depending on mine actually during, uh, for example, in the glacier, in the glacier, we uh, we could. Um, I mean, um, uh, thanks to us, uh, Thomas de Dolodo and Marcus uh, Anders could cross the glacier because we had mountain guides. Mm. For example, when we got to Monaco, it was super hot, uh, and when I landed in the middle of the plateau before Nice, and we were almost dying with the heat, uh, my team was there with water, and I mean, uh, Mar- and Simon Oberaner, uh could drink because of my team mm. in Alpe d'Huez, uh, the four athletes, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, at least uh, the Swiss guy, um, uh, Patrick Van Kennel, Tomato Dolodo and I, I mean, where, um, we could eat and drink thanks to my team. I mean, they were always there when I needed them. Mm. They knew perfectly what they had to do and they know where they knew perfectly where to be, where to settle, where to, where to be at the exact time. So that, uh, I mean, I almost never hiked alone. I was always, uh, with one of my partners. Mm. I mean, and, and it helps a lot mentally, uh, to keep your motivations. Okay. Uh, I could, um, you know, avoid carrying liters of waters. So my team was really always there when I needed them. And, and it's, and it's, and it's remarkable. I mean, I, 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 I give, give them a huge thanks because they were just uh, marvelous. Mm. What was the best fan or, uh, you know, locals experience you had along the way? Um, I had plenty when, when we came to Saint-Hilaire, I, I mean, I've, my brother has been, has been living there for five years and I know a lot of people there. So we had a lot of people coming in and a lot of kids, uh, and it was super nice to share this with them. Um, 
we had also many people during the race that that I mean opened their doors and uh, could give us you know just a, a shower or or bring some food or some water or I mean during the whole race we were like uh, pushed by all those guys all those persons that 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 would just uh, encourage us and this this was just uh, marvelous. Mm. I Gaspard, I haven't asked anybody else this, but I, I would like to get your take on it. Um, you you said before the race that you know, the, the French this year, and I know some of the French that applied that didn't get in are incredibly strong, like Damien Lacaz, who did the Pakistan trip with, with, uh, Antoine and this, this last year, um, Maxime showed that he's definitely just unbelievable pilot and really, really good at this game. He had a little bit of practice with the X-Pier last year and did incredibly well there. Um, but still Kriegel's way out in front. I mean, is, do you see that anybody really has a chance? Um, to be honest, I've been racing with Kriegel for four days, um, on a Swiss, uh, competition in September and I had the opportunity or the chance to follow him and to see how, how this guy works and how we, the, how he manages to be always in the front. And I have to say, um, that there's no way for me, um, that this guy would be bidden, uh, in the next few years. Um, why? I mean, I think that a guy like Maxime is, is, um, is an extremely good pilot. And I think is even, it could be even better than Kriegel's. Um, but the problem with Kriegel is that he doesn't have any weakness. Yeah. So he's probably the best pilot, one of the best pilot, but is also uh, one of the best uh, on the ground. We could see that the prologue, for example, mm-hmm. is is uh, is even better than Coconia on the Great Days. I mean, he's uh, he's a machine now, and he's training for this. And what people don't see is all the preparation and all the knowledge he has. I mean, he, this guy knows the Alps just like you know your garden. He knows. He knows everything, every, every, um, yes, he, he knows every, all the places when, for example, he has an information like there's 20 Ks in this valley. Well, he can, he knows exactly that that means that on this other valley, it would be 18 and not on the other one, it would be 25. And he knows the Alps, like you would know your, your, your paragliding site, your mm-hmm. personal paragliding site. Mm-hmm. And is also... So that's that's the, the 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 field knowledge, but he also knows a lot of people inside those areas. So he knows like local specialists everywhere. He knows um, all the the parameters that you have to watch watch out. Like for example, the the wind values. He knows where to pick them. Uh, what do they mean? And uh, so it allows him to make the good decisions far ahead, far in advance. And all this, a guy like Maxime, that is probably one of the the only one that could keep up, uh, is far from getting all this knowledge uh, yeah. for now. Yeah. So that's that's why for me there's a huge gap, and uh, and and it will continue for for some for some years, uh, as long as Kriegel stays really focused into that. We have to say that Kriegel's spent his whole days. I mean day after day in how to be better in hike and fly flying. I mean, this is his whole life and he spent all his time checking every parameter and 
I mean, uh, and giving his best on, 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 on every parameter, which is really different from you and me. I mean, we have, uh, I have kids, I have a job, I have many things to do. And I mean, he's only, he's, he's only, yes, um, matter is just to be a better hike and fly, hike and fly, um, a pilot every day. And he's, he's for sure in this sense, I, I don't see how in the next few years it could be beaten. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Gaspard, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to have to do a, a real show, a mayhem show just with you one of these days and, and get all your thoughts on, on this and a lot more, but, uh, this will be great to put all these little pieces together with a bunch of the pilots. So I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time. And, and, and again, man, God, dude, you'd crushed it. Congratulations. A really, really good race. Finally, well, thank you very fun. much. <laughs> thank you very much for for asking and um hopefully we can we can fly a bit together in a race or uh or or not i mean in a, in a Val Bivi stuff or something more softer yes oh softer <laughs> softer sounds good right now my my feet are singing <laughs> thanks man thank you very much okay the italian stallion aaron duragati had an incredible race uh had some real bad knee problems uh, after the last one, after 2017. And uh, he was pretty questionable going into this one, but uh, was able to get, get his knee back together uh, good enough. Uh, he did no running whatsoever. This is usually, uh, Aaron's usually a person who does a lot of running, but can't run anymore and ended up doing something crazy, like only 18 kilometers uh, on pavement, which in this race is, is remarkable. But uh, so really kind of took it more as an adventurer and a mountaineering objective, had a great support team. And he also said this was by far his best race, not his best result, but he got to, uh, he got to Monaco. He was in ninth and, uh, did some really cool flying and some, made some amazing moves in the air. Please enjoy this talk with Aaron Urigati. Aaron, uh, thanks for coming on the mayhem. I've been excited to talk to you. I'm sorry. I didn't see you in Monaco. I, I didn't want to go down and bear the 40 degree heat after those last, uh, those last three stable days. So I hope you had fun at the party, but, uh, congratulations on an awesome race. I, I was cracking up a couple of days ago. Maddie showed me footage from the start back in Mozart Platz, and, you know, everybody ran by, and then there you were walking, you know, and, and, and she said, he, he didn't even look like he was trying. And I said, no, 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 that's, he was, he was the first to take off at the Geisberg, you know, he, he, ha he can't run anymore on the pavement, but you, tr I, trust me, he's really fast up the mountains. <laughs> You're incredibly fast, man. And it, it showed in the race, but uh, great, great job. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it was a little bit, um, hard for me to to accept the fact to don't run with the other because uh, usually i was used to be really strong in running but now i have to save my knee so um, yeah i yeah i just don't run the old x-alps the prologue and the start of the x-alps which was somehow not easy because this mood in the people and everything you want really to run. But uh, I was focused on my strategy and I say I don't run. So I was kind of 
walking and everyone was kind of laughing about me <laughs> because I was far the last and they was thinking I'm going for a holiday or something. But uh, yeah, as soon as the, the mountain gets steep, then I know I can push and uh, yeah, then I overpass uh, many athletes and in the end, I arrive up, I think, I don't know, five, six, seven, I, I don't know. I just prepared myself and I took off and then I was, oh, wow, I'm the first. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. Well, and, and uh, you had quite a scary moment this last year, right, with the doctor. You went to a very, very good doctor and in Italy, you were telling me on when we were hiking up to that launch and the, who basically said, and you're like, Aaron, you're, you're done. You can't, you can't keep doing this stuff anymore. Yeah, actually, it was an uh, Austrian doctor. Okay. Um, yeah, it was in Innsbruck. They sent me there from the uh, Red Bull Training Center to have uh, yeah some feedback from him. And uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty shocking because uh, after a kind of half an hour talk and uh, checking out my MRI and stuff, he basically say. Yeah, <laughs> search a nice job in office because uh, it's over with the sport. <laughs> mm, crazy. And then you got another opinion and that, that one said it's, well, no, I think it's okay or? No, well, anyone told me it's okay. But uh, I mean, after, uh, yeah, I mean, after uh, I was to this doctor in Austria, it was, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was having... One, two weeks really, really hard. Um, but then I was thinking, okay, it can't be that bad or, I mean, it should be something I can do. So I find another doctor pretty famous in Italy, which, uh, well, he say for sure you, your, your niece has done a lot and they are not, not as new, but... Uh, Mm, he decided to do a surgery to me last year in June. And then I did um, some plasma therapy, like um, plasma infiltration in the knee and some other treatment. And uh, then I start to do some very specific uh, training in Innsbruck on a, on a training center to build up some more muscle, which can give me more stability. Then I was working with the doctor, uh, which I'm used to work in Merano. Um, then I did another kind of therapy here around home. So basically, my last uh, one and a half year was uh, working on my knee, basically. Mm, mm. So for the week, was focused to to get my knee in a in a better shape. Well, obviously it worked. So congratulations. Uh, but you know, I mean, the X Alps have put your knees through hell and you, you, uh, you made it. So congratulations. And I know your, your, your strategy and your attack was, was quite a bit different than it had been in the past. You know, that instead of, you know, running and, and doing a lot of ground game, you really tried to fly as much as possible. And it, it really, really paid off. Um, well, let's get into these questions, Aaron, and, and these, these go pretty quickly, but, uh, the first is what, if anything, you know, you've done this race now four times, I believe before, um, what, what, if anything, did you underestimate about this race? Uh, well, actually this time was for me, 
far the best X-Alps um, because I was basically enjoying every single day I could be in the race and I was able to do that what I like to do, which is basically flying and being in the mountain. So um, this time for me, I mean, it was kind of perfect. Um, mm. I mean, I'm I'm also somehow happy with my result because I was the one which was uh, hiking uh, less as everyone. And in the air, I was flying, I think, really good. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with my my XL. I just a little bit fucked up the last day in a way, but I, I'm still happy I did it like I did because um, I was, I want to try to get to Monaco on flying, also by flying. And so the route I choose, it was the one which gave me the biggest chance to be in pale uh, on my glider by flying. But it turns out to be pretty bad because I have a thunderstorm behind me, which was um, giving me a lot of headwind. And that was for sure like my worst fly in the X-Alps because I was getting many collapses. I was very low. I was about two hours flying without having any landing spot, just three below me. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit... Uh, not super cool, but other objects I really enjoyed the whole time. And I did a lot of vertical meter, but I almost never walk in the flat. And I did all in all less than 30 Ks on the asphalt, on the all X Alps. So, wow, that's amazing. Jeez, I did that just on the morning going to St. Hilaire. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. 18 kilometers on asphalt in Santiler, and I did a uh, bit more than eight, nine kilometers towards Monaco the last day when I get on the on the on the goal on pale, and that's all the asphalt I did. So wow, that's amazing! God, that's incredible! <laughs> that's incredible! Um, well, the, you said that you had this kind of fuck up on the last day, but my next question is: What was your biggest mistake? Was it that one, or was it uh, what was what was the what was the worst mistake in the whole race? Mm, I did a big mistake on after Davos, but uh, um, I was in a way lucky, and um, after the bad luck, I was lucky. Let's say because when I did Davos, I was third. And uh, I hike up really fast on the takeoff. And where Maxim took off, it was already in the shade for me, so I couldn't take off. So I went all the way up till this valley, which is leading to Coor. Mm -hmm. And um, I was basically just missing one little reach, so maybe 20 minutes to walk to fly basically this valley, which is going straight to Kur. But, um, I mean, there was the thunderstorm coming, but on the, basically on the east a little bit, it was uh, blue sky, clouds on 3,500 meters. So 
Um, I was hoping and thinking that maybe the thunderstorm will be just staying in that area of Kur. And so I decided, okay, fuck it, I'm going to take off and fly basically 90 degrees from the route I should fly. But my idea was to fly it on the, on the sunny and blue sky spot, uh, wait there in the air, be high, and then fly back direction core. But what's in, in the end happened is that I took off and I got like about minus four to minus five, minus six, basically till the ground Oof. of the other valley. And I was thinking, okay, now I'm super fucked up. Like a part of having um, done thousand vertical meter in 50 minutes for nothing, I was like 25 kilometer uh, out of the, the optimal route. But then well, I was lucky because uh, basically I was 100 meter above the valley floor, above a church. And I was pointing this church in the last 10 minutes of my super sinking uh, flight. And exactly there where I want to have the thermal, where I expect the thermal, I got it. But I was 100 meters above the valley. And I went from 1,000 meters above ground, which was the valley floor, till 3,300. All the way. And then, yeah, and then I climbed there to the cloud. I make one transition on the same side of the valley. And then, I mean, it was visible. The fucking thunderstorm was just going in my direction. So then I had to fly towards the thunderstorm and land uh, in the mountain, waiting that the thunderstorm passed. And then I was again on the on the on the right valley, let's say. But uh, <laughs> that was, I mean, you can see my track log in Davos. It's pretty <laughs> stupid. But from the other side, I, I was thinking at the moment it was a good idea. <laughs> and I sure not affected four to six meters thinking all the way down to the valley floor. Yeah, oh, I had one of those as, as well. I think day three, that's, that's the worst. Um, okay, maybe, maybe that's your best and worst day together, but best day and worst day. Well, the best day was for sure the third day when I mm. flew from Kitzbühel, to Kronplatz and to Lermos and mm. a little bit further also. So I think it was, I never really checked it, but it should be more than 200. And I crossed basically the, the main reach of the Alps twice. Um, yeah, there I start in the morning. I think I was like 20 something or something like that. And I finish third um, in Lermos. So that was for sure the best day. And it was actually a beautiful flight. And, uh, I was, um, flying really smart. Like once I passed the Valley of Innsbruck, um, it was a thunderstorm in Carvendel. So I fly a little bit more North. I, I see there was a convergence. I could follow it. And, yeah, that day I flew really well. And, boy, the worst day, 
I don't know, like for sure the worst flight was my last flight. Um, but also that in the end turns to be cool because I mean, I, uh, like I told you, I was in this valley without any landing chance for two hours. I was pretty sure I'm gonna land in the tree. And then, um, basically by fighting, 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 um, I see one little landing field on the lee side of a little village. It was like 30 meters times 30 or something like that. But then um, just before I managed to get there, I, I have to pass one little ridge and I got a huge collapse, which uh, there I was almost sure to crash because I was like 50 meter high and basically the old glider disappeared. So I was already thinking, okay, I have one second. If the glider open, good. If not open, I'm doing the rescue and I, and I hope it's going to open the rescue. Hmm. But with 50 meters, it's pretty sketchy. And uh, in the end, the glider just disappeared. But two seconds after, it reinfilled without having cravat. So that was really good. I mean, I was lucky. I was maybe doing mm, everything perfect, but I think the border between nothing happened and uh, being crashing in the tree was very, very tight. And um, anyway, I managed to land in that field, in that kind of a field. And then my supporter came and I was still like seven, 700 meter high. So, and for sure, the worst for me, it's to walk downhill. So mm -hmm. I think uh, that's really bad now. So my supporter told me, okay, let's try to hike really on the top. And then maybe we can cut some tree and in some way you can take off again. But then we start to walk and on the street, I see like the chance to take off from the street. So I took off again. But my supporter was telling me, Aaron, what are you doing? You know, it's no landing field here. He was almost crying the last two hours. <laughs> so why do you want to take off again? And I say, yeah, because I don't want to walk down. And I see there was like two reaches, which I couldn't see in front. And basically, I'm an optimistic guy. And I was, I was sure that behind the third reach, it's going to be something to land. <laughs> so I took off with hope of finding something. And basically after the third reach, it was like a 10 times 10 meters landable. So I land there. Then again, I was still 500 meter high from the valley floor. So I walked two kilometers and then I did the best ever took off of the all Alps because I took from a castle. Like, uh, yeah, a castle. Yeah. <laughs> it was the only thing which was, I mean, it was not even to think about it, but the street was full of cable and there was tree everywhere. So my supporter went on the castle and there was some little wind. And so, yeah, I say, okay, let's try. And then I went on the castle and I took off from there and I fly all the way down till, uh, yeah, before Nice. <laughs> ah, that's awesome.
Aaron, you know, you're, you're kind of in a similar position to me now with your little one. You had a, you had a little boy, I think he's three now. Um, you know, I had a little girl right after the last X Alps. How has that affected your, because I see, you know, you're doing these huge expeditions to Patagonia and tons of ice climbing and, uh, you know, and I know you're very, very good at what you do and careful, but, the how has having a child changed how you approach these things that we do and things like the X Alps? Mm, in a way it didn't change. And in a way it changed just, uh, in a better way because, uh, um, when I come home, I know I have my little kid and it's my nice, uh, girlfriend. Um, uh, I feel more peaceful, but I'm not doing less of the thing I like to do because of a kid in the end. Um, I think to be good for them, I need to be happy. And um, if I don't do those things, I'm not happy. So, mm. so I'm just following that what's my my passion are and right now now it's um, still flying and climbing i'm really more and more into climbing and yeah probably from a normal point of view it's not really good at what i'm doing but i feel okay and for my girlfriend it's okay so hmm. we are yeah, and she's a she's a pilot too, so she gets it. Um, okay, uh, if you could prepare anything differently, uh, you know, and again, you've you've done the X Alps now a number of times, so you know how to prepare. But if you could do anything differently than what you did, what would it be? Yeah, probably I will have to go back maybe twenty years and a little bit saving my knees. <laughs> Okay, and the the question part you well go ahead. What sorry? A part of this, um, yeah, you could always prepare a little bit better, like uh, um, this Google Earth and uh, knows even better the valleys and the stuff. But uh, I'm not the guys which like so much to plan and to be in front of the computer. So I think I did this time way more than what I did the other years. So I was not so much lost like the other years because normally I was really lost. <laughs> <laughs> this time I was lost, but not that much. Aaron, do you find, um, you know, you and I now have done it together three times and you did it once before, before the, you did it in 2013 as well. But the, I found the pace this time just unbelievable. You know, I mean, we had, we had in, in a lot of ways, pretty good weather. We weren't dealing with a lot of wind and we definitely had plenty of thunderstorms and stuff, but I, I found that this was the kind of the easiest flying weather of the three that I've done, but the 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 pace of the of the teams i have found just in, in, so much faster than it was in my first one in 2015 i mean in 2015 i made so many more mistakes 
and still got to Monaco in good time and a better place than this time. But this time I felt like, you know, at least for me, I was really doing better than I've ever done. And, and still there's, you know, 10 people out in front. I just found that the pace is getting really fast. Is that something you're noticing as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think this year, Ixalps, the weather was, um, it was not a difficult weather because we didn't have to deal with um, uh, strong wind or um, super ugly thunderstorm stuff. But in 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 the average, the weather was was not that good. I mean, we no, have a very was uh, the day where I flew Kronplatz and Lermos, and then we had like three good days, and then we have really kind of mm, bad days in a way because like when i was in swiss it was raining when i was in french it was super stable yeah uh, and even of that we was covering like um about 90 to 110 k's air distance a day yeah which was really impressive like um or like I say, I didn't walk at all on the asphalt, but uh, I was doing a lot of vertical meter. Like I think I did, or I didn't check it exactly, but um, roughly I I will say I did like forty five thousand vertical meter. Yeah. So means I was doing like f- more than four thousand a day. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, kind of where I came I, in as well. That's a lot. It's really a lot, and yeah, um, I think that the the level was uh, at least of the first fifteen was like super high, because uh, exactly if I think back at two thousand thirteen or fifteen, um, by bad days uh, there was a day I think in two thousand thirteen I did all in all like forty kilometer, mm-hmm. which is less than half of of a bad day uh of this this uh, red bull exile so yeah um yeah i think uh everyone become faster and uh way more efficient like in the in the way of choosing the route in the way of hike and fly never landing really down and again hike a bit and then fly again whatever so yeah, the, the level is definitely super high. Mm. I mean, in, I if I think with the weather we were having in 2013 or 15, we might have finished these excerpts in seven days or yeah, eight days. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, will you do it again? Um, I think so. Mm, depends what my knee will say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but for sure I'm motivated yeah like like I said uh, from the beginning this time um, for me was uh, excellent and I really enjoy and my team was also really cool it was the first time I was having um, uh, Alpine Guide a good friend of mine mm. which was walking a lot with me and um, we was doing we were sometimes really enjoying like the first day we went 
up on this uh, Degen Gebirge and we were sleeping in the tent and in the morning having a super nice uh, uh, sunrise, taking off at six in the morning. Um, we was having really some nice mountain experience and um, the, the general approach of the team was really in a positive attitude because I was very, um, how to say, like, I didn't prom promise them that I'm gonna win or whatever. I say, look, for me, it's, it's, it's amazing that my knee let me start again this race. So let's try to do our best and let's try to have fun. Yeah. And you guys were having a heck of a battle down there between Montevideo and the end. It was, that was really fun to watch. I was in the soup going into St. Hilaire. So I had plenty of time to just watch and <laughs> watch live track. You get yes. and see the battle going on. It was a lot of, a lot of changing places. It was fun. Yeah, but I didn't realize because I took off with them and then um, we had to top land and I top land differently than I was alone. And then I see uh, Gaspar and Tom. I flew a little bit different and I got really good. So then I overpassed them and I didn't saw anyone till, till the... No, till the next day, basically. <laughs> I was flying alone. And um, actually that day, it was, it's happened something really funny because uh, um, at the beginning it was really stable and it was super difficult to climb. But once I climbed on the, before the Galibier, the day was good. It was some headwind, but the day was not too bad. So once I was high, I was feeling safe and I was cruising pretty fast toward uh, Briançon, and and then I start to be tired, and I start to almost uh, fell asleep in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, "Fuck, what can I do?" And I start to sing, but that was not enough. <laughs> so, luck having uh, internet connection, and I basically went on YouTube and I start to watch. Uh, music video of the <laughs> 90s <laughs> and i was singing like uh, 90 songs to <laughs> brian's <laughs> and then I was, I was again awake <laughs> that's good i've never heard that one aaron <laughs> Well, hey, man, thank you very much. Uh, again, enormous congratulations. Uh, you really overcame a, a pretty serious knee issue to, uh, to finish in style. That was, that was awesome to watch and awesome to witness. It was so fun racing with you again and sharing some of that time with you the first day. And uh, yeah, man, that was a blast. But I, I wish you the best and Renata and your little boy and, and uh, good healing with the knee. And, and who knows, maybe we'll see each other again in a couple of years at uh, this crazy, wacky race. <laughs> will be nice Kevin thank you very much thank you buddy. and uh, see you soon okay see you soon if you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable you can support it in a lot of different ways 
You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes costs. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription. And it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, a little video cast that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us then just let me know and i'll set you up with an account of course that'll be lifetime and hopefully and you're being in a position someday to be able to support us but you'll find all that on the website uh all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought cloud-based mayhem merchandise t-shirts or hats or anything you should be all set up you should have an account and you should be able to access all that bonus material now thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show thank you